Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Histories of the Unexpected. It is James Daybell here, flying solo once again for this special Histories of the Unexpected series on homeschooling, how to turn your young ones into budding historians. Sam Willis, across town, how I miss you. Um, However, we all need to do our bit during these trying times, and this is episode two of Histories of the Unexpected Bite-Size Homeschooling Historians. And what I wanted to do today was a series of things. Because we are all trapped inside, because the schools are shut down, because teachers are all operating online, because parents have their kids on their hands 24-7, I wanted to talk you through the kinds of resources that are available to you via the internet in your own homes. And so I'm going to talk through some of the sort of key websites that give all sorts of material uh, for for kids, uh, for, for teachers, and also for parents and grandparents. And then I want to talk about some of the virtual museums uh, that people can visit. Museums are brilliant places to go and find out about history. Um, But of course, during this crisis, they are all locked down, just as we all are. Um, Yet some of them are available to visit online. And there are some fantastic museums for you and your children to look at. But also, I'm going to be talking about Viking zombies and corpse doors, shrunken heads at the Pitt Rivers Museum, and I will end up with an object or document of the day. And today we are going to look at a child's mitten that survives in the Museum of London, the wonderful Museum of London, Um, and it is a Tudor child's mitten. So we'll talk about that. But to start off, I wanted to talk to you about Viking corpse doors. And this is from a little book that Sam and I wrote on uh, histories of the unexpected, the Vikings. And what it talks about is the Viking practice of burying the dead. And it's all to do with the way that this ancient tradition thought that when people left the house, they would come back in. So the corpse would come back in. And so we find out about this in the saga literature of the period and also in some of the architectural survivals of the ancient houses that survived to us from this Viking period. Now, the practice is, after relatives, after a loved one has has passed away, after relatives 
close the eyes and mouth and nostrils of the deceased. Um, a hole was made in the external wall of the house because what you would do is you would carry the body, the dead body, out through that and then you would bury the body. And in Viking tradition, they thought that when uh, somebody was buried, their spirit uh, would come back into the house through exactly the same door that they left. And so what these clever Vikings would do in order to stop that happening is that before the funeral was over, they would you know, block up the door. So any sort of spirit, any sort of Viking zombie or whatever that wanted to get back into the, the house um, wasn't able to. So it was a way of protecting your Viking house. And it's a way of thinking about how the Vikings thought about their own dead, how they treated them, and how they thought about and conceptualised the afterlife. And Viking doors, which we explore in this chapter, are all about... Uh, passageways between the 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 world of the living and the world of the dead and there are all sorts of practices that they used sort of burying uh, certain things in the doorway in order to stop uh, spirits coming through there's a fantastic uh, uh, story about a farmer uh, who is set upon by a, a gang of, of viking zombies uh, and stops them coming through uh, the gates of his farm. They're absolutely brilliant. Anyway, that's for starters. Um, and there's more of this to come. I'll try and pick up sort of little bits and pieces uh, like this. Uh, maybe tomorrow we'll do uh, Roman fattening of hamsters. Uh, brilliant, 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 brilliant. But what I wanted to talk about really was the kinds of resources that are available for us online. And good to see about what is happening at the moment is the way in which so many libraries and institutions and historical societies, the BBC, are throwing stuff online. Things that were at one time behind paywalls are now increasingly for free. And so I talked about yesterday BBC Bite Size. So you should all go to this website. It's bbc.co.uk forward slash bite size. And it has a load of subjects there uh, for budding young historians. Um, series of topics that I talked about yesterday. Uh, British history, it's got prehistoric, Roman Britain, Anglo-Saxons, the Vikings. And if you click into these, let's go on to the Vikings here. You click into this, the internet, as you will all find, because it's, it's sort of like Christmas in terms of the, the pressure that it's putting on the internet. There are four of us in the house and we're all using things. Um, so everything is slow, but on here there are a series of pages and clips. Who were the Vikings? How did the Vikings fight? Traders and explorers. What was life like in Viking Britain? Uh, what happened to the Anglo-Saxons and the Vikings? The Norman Conquest. So it takes you through, you and your children, through... Uh, all of the topics that you need for Key Stage 2, it links through to various videos. So have a look at that. It's available absolutely for free at the BBC. And I know a call has gone out to put as many resources on the BBC website as is humanly possible. They are also re-showing various uh, things are various documentaries on BBC Four at the moment. So they're recycling that and putting out a lot of material. Now, the next one that I was going to tell you about, and I think I mentioned yesterday, 
was the Historical Association. Now, the Historical Association has been round for years. And in fact, at the University of Plymouth, where I am a professor, uh, we have a, a sort of two weekly lecture series that is open to the public and we get speakers in and it's open to all, open to schools and whatever. So they're a very sort of venerable association. Their head office is in London. They've got branches throughout the country and they do all sorts of things with primary schools, with secondary, with students, higher education. They've got publications, they've got podcasts. Normally, you need to be a member. Uh, it's just over £25 for a student, uh, and it's about it's up to £40 for annual membership uh, normally, and as part of that, you get access to their publications, their resources, podcasts. But what they have done today is they have opened up access of their materials for students and teachers absolutely for free. So Google history .org.uk, history.org.uk. And if you have a look at the primary section, I'm very interested in this because I've got two primary age kids uh, at home at the moment with me, and there's all sorts of materials here, right, the Anglo-Saxon, the Vikings, the settlement of Britain, the Great Fire of London. If you click on the Great Fire of London, you'll find all sorts of schemes of work. There are worksheets to do, there are lesson plans, topic plans. You can explore the Great Fire of London through the diary of Samuel Pepys. Samuel Pepys is the most brilliant 17th century diarist. This is a man who is right at the heart of events, but basically uh, almost lets them pass by. He's more interested in the sort of humdrum life of his domestic existence, uh, his servants, rows with his wife, those, those kinds of things. But incidentally, he is an observer of some of the great events. And so we get his first-hand accounts of what happened during the Great Fire of London. Uh, as far as I can see, uh, Samuel Pepys was more concerned to preserve his rare cheese uh, than anything else during the Great Fire of London. But there are some brilliant uh, materials there. So if we go back a little bit, there are also a series of history podcasts available. Now, the Historical Association has been collecting these history podcasts for some years, and normally they are behind a paywall, so you don't have access to them. However, they've now released them, and there are various topics that work at, at primary level as well as secondary level. And they've got podcasts on Anglo-Saxon, so you can learn about England from 871 to the year 1000. They've got something on ancient Greek myths and legends, uh, there's something on the Vikings. Uh, there's a film on Elizabeth's women. There's something on Roman Britain. Uh, so have a look at those. Absolutely brilliant. And all you need is to click on them and then they will play on a computer, a smartphone, an iPad, whatever you've got. Any any other tablet, they will they will they will come as audio and you can you can download them. So they're great resources to supplement all the material that's being put out there by our very hardworking teachers at the moment. Um, now, for people who are a little bit older, um, the I don't know whether any of you know about the Internet Archive, archive.org. This is a brilliant resource for anyone because what it does is it puts online all sorts of historical books and material that date back anything that's out of copyright, they, they try and digitise and pop online. And you'd be amazed how many 
things you can find there. They have just announced a national emergency library. So the aim is to provide digitised books to students and the public. And you can find this at archive.org forward slash NEL. And what they have done is they have put online 1.4 million books in their lending library. Uh, and these are normally books that are you're not able to see, and they have put that out. I think if you did a quick search on the internet, you would find all sorts of materials like this that are freely available. So archive.org forward slash NEL, the National Emergency Library. Um, now, if you were, if you're interested in looking at particular periods, there's a whole range of great material available for you. Now, staples for primary school kids are topics like the Vikings. And if you go to the Jorvik Centre, so Jorvik, vikingcentre.co.uk, and forward slash education, forward slash classroom dash resources, you will find all sorts of material. Scroll down the loan boxes that they normally lend out to schools for a bargain price, uh, but you can find all sorts of Viking activities there. There's a skeleton quiz, there's a colouring sheet, there's a word search, there's family, Viking family, there are puzzles, there, is, there are detailed worksheets on Jorvik as a Viking city, on the Viking capture of York. There are things on place names and personal names, houses, weapons, things on Viking trade, on, on coins and shipmaking, Viking ships and seafaring. If we download that, you've got a whole little worksheet there, two-sided worksheet that tells you all about Viking ships with maps and plans and all sorts of details uh, for, to interest anyone. If we go down further, there's something on Viking dress, on textiles, on jewellery, on glass. I mean, all sorts of things about the environment, uh, written sources of the Viking Age. You can learn about, about runes. Uh, so there's masses and masses to get your teeth into there. So the jorvikvikingcenter.co.uk forward slash education forward slash classroom resources. Absolutely brilliant. If you're interested in the Roman period, again, there's all sorts of material. I mean, normally a brilliant place to go to for understanding the Romans would be the British Museum, which is an absolutely fantastic museum that takes you through all through from ancient history through to the modern day. It has superb collections. Um, it's one of those museums you can go along to and you can spend an entire day in it, just sort of rampaging around the, the different rooms and different periods. Brilliant uh, collection on uh, on Egyptians, brilliant stuff on, on ancient Rome. And if you have a look at britishmuseum.org forward slash learn forward slash schools, and then you can pick on ages, there are all sorts of resources there to enable kids to look at ancient Rome. And one of the things that you could do is go to any um, big museum website and look at their catalogue and do a quick search for various objects or artefacts and then get up digital images of them that then will allow you to your, and your children to get into talking about the past 
from objects. I'm, I'm going to do something on that uh, at the very end when I talk about gloves. Uh, those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast will know that I am absolutely obsessed uh, with 16th and 17th century gloves. And I'm in the middle of writing a book uh, with my wonderful colleague Susan Broomhall, who is over in Australia uh, at the moment. And we are using digital technologies to keep up, uh, keep in touch with each other. But if you have a look at this website, British Museum dot org uh, absolutely brilliant materials there statues coins all sorts of things um, you could also um, have a look at the Pompeii website um, those of you who haven't been to Pompeii um, you know and, and Italy is in the is in the sort of heart of where things are happening at the moment um, but the PompeiOnline.net uh, is a brilliant website that allows you to navigate around uh, the site. Uh, Pompeii was, um, as you know, covered by uh, volcanic ash uh, when Vesuvius uh, erupted. And, and so what's happened is that uh, the people that were, that were um, living in the, in the city at the time were basically covered in this ash. And what happened was there were left great sort of holes underneath and archaeologists went in and filled them with with um, plaster of Paris. And so you've got these amazing kind of almost sort of um, statues of where people would have been. So you get this sense of, you know, of ordinary of ordinary life uh, from this. And you can go through, you can look at the amphitheatre, you can look at the painting, the mosaics that survive, the sculptures. There's even graffiti all over the walls that they that that archaeologists have have unearthed you can follow around on a on a virtual screen you can have a look at the different shops and houses uh, and buildings that were there uh, i talked yesterday about the mary rose uh, website and the mary rose the mary rose was henry viii's warship uh, that went down in the 1530s with everything intact um, you know, all the contents and about a third of the ship still survive. And if you go along to the museum, it's all recreated in absolute splendour for you. But you can also go and visit this online. You know, and there are some wonderful activities for children, uh, as I was talking about yesterday, uh, available for you there if you are interested in the Tudor period. Also, if you're interested in the Tudors, Hampton Court Palace is brilliant. Hampton Court Palace, which we built uh, and then stolen by Henry VIII, uh, and where he where he resided, where he held his court, one of his many uh, palaces uh, that he had, um, is absolutely terrific, terrific to go along and visit. But it also has a brilliant website. So if you go along to HRP, so Historic Royal Palaces, hrp.org.uk forward slash Hampton Court Palace. Uh, you will pull up all sorts of material here. And one of the interesting things here is it gives you a very uh, sort of very simple and easily accessible guide to who were the Tudors. So from Henry VII through to Henry VIII. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Henry VIII's children, so Edward VI, uh, the boy king, uh, the Catholic Mary I, and then we have uh, the wonderful uh, Elizabeth I. So you can go and have a look at that. Now, if you are interested in fabulous museums, one of my favourite museums in the entire world is the Vasa Museum in Stockholm in Sweden. And the entire museum is a shrine to a warship that went down in the early 17th century, in fact, in 1628. And this was a warship which was built for the splendid Swedish monarch Gustavus Adolphus. Gustavus Adolphus, any of you who don't know about Gustavus Adolphus, go out and find about him. He's one of the men who really put Sweden on the map militarily in the 17th century. And what he arranged was for this amazing flagship warship to be built. Um, it, it had two decks, it was full of cannons, over 60 cannons. Uh, the problem was, when it went out of Stockholm Harbour, uh, it sank within a matter of minutes. Within the hour, it sank, partly because it was so ambitious, so full of cannons, that it just keeled over. And if you go along to Vasa Musit, so that's V-A-S-A-M-U-S-E-E-T dot S-E, and then forward slash E-N, it will give you it in English. And you can go through and have a look at the exhibition here. Because what they did, although it sank, it was raised up in the 1950s and the 1960s. And unlike the Mary Rose, which is only about a third complete, about 98% of this ship survives. Not only does 98% of the ship survives, but it is also full of all sorts of artefacts and objects and materials. There are skeletons in there. There are, are ship's figures, fascinating ship's figures. There are objects from everyday life and the museum. I've been working with the Vasa Museum over the last two or three years. The team there is superb and their level of interpretation is world-class. And if you go to their ex the exhibition part of their website, you can see all of the things that they've got. You can also search the artifacts that they've got. One of the one of the my favourites is a box that survives belonging to a 17th century sailor. And in this box he kept all of his things, all the things that he would have had with him, uh, including his hat, including shoes, including games, including clothes and all the sort of personal items. So if you want to know what it was like to be an early 17th century sailor in Sweden, in one of the greatest navies 
of the time, you can get at that from this brilliant exhibition here. And you can do it all from the comfort of your own home. Now, those museums are very static, so the displays are very static, but there are a number of museums that you can actually visit virtually. So you can actually walk around them. And I saw this in The Guardian uh, just, this, just this week, on Monday, I think it was, and it's an article by Antonia Wilson on 10 of the world's best virtual museum and art gallery tours. You can find your way around the John Paul Getty Museum in Los Angeles, the Vatican Museums in Rome, so you can actually tour around it, the Guggenheim in Bilbao, the Natural History Museum in London, the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam. So a lot of these are, are art history. The National Museum of Modern and Contemporary Art in South Korea. The Musée d'Orsay in Paris. Uh, my family and I were supposed to be going to Paris over Easter, which has been cancelled, so we may well take the virtual tour of that. The British Museum in London, uh, the Museum of the World, uh, has all sorts of... Uh, you know, wonderful things for you to see in, in 360 degrees there. The National Gallery in London is also online. But I know I said that the Vassar Museum was my favourite museum. It is, uh, but I also have a second favourite museum, which is the Pitt Rivers Museum in Oxford. So it's part of Oxford University. And what it is, it's like a Victorian museum frozen in aspect, frozen in time. Um, it is like an old-fashioned Victorian dinosaur museum, all there ready for you to explore. It's my favourite museum to go along and take the kids, partly because it is full of the sort of... It, it allows you to sort of roam around the museum, checking out all sorts of curiosities. And if you go to the Pitt Rivers Museum website, right at the beginning, it allows you to take a virtual tour. And I did this earlier, and it is absolutely amazing. The museum is set up with all these cabinets, with all sorts of curiosities in it, from that that, uh, that anthropologists from Oxford during the 19th century collected from all around the world, brought them home and catalogued them from uh, natural natural history stuff, dinosaur skeletons, but also pottery and knives and headdresses and canoes and totem poles. And literally, you can wander round with the wonders of modern technology around and explore all of these cases. And two of the most extraordinary things that I came across on my travels here were, one, a miniature painted flea. A miniature painted flea, the, and it dates from the Victorian period. And it was part of a collection of miniature insects, uh, and the Victorians had, had, had collected them as part of flea circuses. And there's a whole collection. Uh, so go and have a look at that. The other thing that I think you will absolutely love is the collection of shrunken heads. So if you are, if you're interested in, uh, in um, other parts of the world, uh, and you're interested in exploring this through museums, go and have a look online at Pitt Rivers Museum Shrunken Heads. And there's a display there called, labelled The Treatment of Dead Enemies. And this case includes a number of shrunken heads from South America. And each of these are the size of a, of a think about it, a sort of large grapefruit or maybe an orange. And... Uh, their their mouths and their eyes are are, sh uh, are sewn shut, and the way that we 
The way that we understand these is that they teach us about how human beings um, treated um, other 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 societies, and what they would do is they would they would keep they would take the head of of an enemy as a as a as a token and shrink it uh, as a sort of memento, uh, and then that would sort of ward off evil spirits. And if you're wondering how you make a shrunken head. Uh, they were made by the Shua and Akua people of Ecuador and South America. And the process of creating a shunken head involves taking your, your head and peeling the skin and hair off the skull. And then you throw the skull away and you only keep the skin and the hair. And this you then soak in hot water and then you put hot sand inside the cavity and this process is repeated a number of times until the you have a sort of good shape of the head and the skin has dried. So go and have a look at Pitt Rivers Museum and have a look at these shrunken heads. Now, one of my favourite things that I, I came across um, uh, trawling around the internet for things that are available uh, for... Uh, people to look at is the National Cowboy and Western Museum uh, in the United States in the state of Oklahoma. And I've never been here. It sounds absolutely fascinating. So it's a museum that's set up to record the history of the Wild West, the heritage of the Wild West. And they've got all sorts of things there that are interesting for, you know, interesting mementos, including, including um, hat and boots of John Wayne. John Wayne, for those of you who don't know, is a very famous cowboy uh, from fil film cowboy, Hollywood cowboy uh, from my youth. Uh, my father and I used to watch uh, John Wayne movies almost every Sunday afternoon. But you can go along and see it there. Um, there's also um, their collection of um, the cowboy hat uh, from um, from uh, Woody uh, in Toy Story. Uh, which is there, so you can go along and see that. So people have given mementos to it. But what is extraordinary about this is during the shutdown, the museum is now closed, um, they have put in charge of it, in charge of the social media management while the museum is closed, they've put in charge um, uh, a sweet guy who's the head of security, uh, a guy called uh, Tim. Uh, and he has been taking hold of of the Twitter handle and sending out all sorts of material. And what, what's so sweet about this is that, you know, like some of us, um, he he's not actually that um, up to date with social media. And so he's 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 taking very poor photographs. He's writing hashtag instead of hashtag. He doesn't realise that on when he's tweeting, he's actually uh, also talking to his grandchildren to give him to give him tips. But it, it's it's so wonderful. Uh, you can read about this on boardpanda.com. Uh, but anyway, um, we're almost we're almost ended. Um, there, are, I just wanted to say that there are all sorts of things out there uh, that you can easily search. I've just given you a sort of a few little ideas uh, to spark your interest and your kids' interest. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to leave you with uh, was a, a glove that I viewed when I went to the Museum of London uh, a couple of years ago uh, with a research team that I was working with uh, from around the world. 
And we were given a tour around the museum by the wonderful curator to have a look at their glove collection. And if you go online and have a look at collections.museumoflondon.org.uk and have a look at object 90608, um, you will see a child's, a Tudor child's mitten. So it's a it's a it's a hand knitted mitten in in light brown with a little um, trim around the around the cuff in a dark brown wool. But they dated this to the 16th century. Uh, and, you know, so this this is something that survives from a child from the 16th century. Uh, it may who knows how it how it how it survived. It survived in the in the Finsbury area of London. Uh, at this period, uh, Finsbury was covered in in fields, uh, and it may well be that this uh, this was a glove that fell off during uh, the winter when they were playing snowballs or something like that. But it's an object that connects us to children in the past, and this time to Tudor children. So have a look at that. Have a look at um, at uh, uh, Tudor child's mitten at the Museum of London. Okay, well, that's it from me for today. Uh, I will try and check in tomorrow uh, with something else. I will rifle uh, through my notes and see what I can talk about. I've got a number of things. Uh, I have promised uh, somebody at Devonport High School for Boys to do something on referencing, so for slightly older kids. So I might do some study skills sessions as well. Uh, but meanwhile, thank you all for listening uh, and uh, and keep in touch. You can follow us on at Unexpected Pod, uh, which is our Twitter handle. You can follow me on at James Daybell. You can follow Sam Willis on at Dr. Sam Willis. And you can follow the podcast uh, on our website, uh, which is historiesoftheunexpected.com. Uh, we will not be touring uh, for the foreseeable future. So those of you who were hoping to come and see either our live show or our Tudor show, um, I'm afraid we are not going to be with you over the summer months, but we are currently rebooking for the autumn. So come along and see us. Uh, there's plenty uh, for you to to get access to for free online via our podcasts. And there are over 120 of them uh, to to listen to. Um, Okay, thank you all for listening. Take care. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 